This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today in Trekking Through Compliance, we take up the episode, Devil in the Dark. Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of Trekking Through Compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Devil in the Dark. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the episode Devil in the Dark, which aired on March 9, 1967, and occurred on Stardate 3196.1. The Enterprise is sent to investigate a string of sabotages and murders on Pergamon mining planet Janus 6. Starting 30 months previously, when the new Level 23 was opened, 50 people have been killed in the mines, including the guard Shimter. All of the murdered miners were burned to a crisp. The only solid lead as to the culprit is a large fuzzy object seen briefly by the chief processing engineer Ed Appel. Although Appel shot the object with a phaser, it had no effect. Spock, McCoy, and Kirk beam down to confer with chief engineer Vandenberg. Spock notices a spherical silicon nodule, which he described as a geological oddity on display in the engineer's office. Spock also notes the creature must have been moving at great speed in order to be capable of causing some of the deaths due to the large spatial separation, but close temporal coincidence. The next move is to create uh, of this is to kill the next move by the creature is to kill the guard of the PXK reactor room and remove the main circulating pump of the reactor, placing it in danger of going supercritical. Scotty is able to rig a replacement, but expects it to last only 48 hours. Spock and Kirk speculate that the creature may be based on silicon instead of carbon form of life and suggest if that were the case, then Phaser 2 would be much more effective than the Phaser 1 used by the miners. They equip a landing party with Phaser 2 and go in search of the creature. The creature finds one of the search party and promptly fries it. Spock examines a nearby tunnel and discovers it to have been newly cut. The creature then shows itself and is fired upon. It escapes, but it blasts chips off of a chunk of fibrous silicon material, which is apparently its skin from the phaser fire. The rock-like creature is then located by Spock's tricorder tunneling through solid rock. Spock finds there is only one creature and has second thoughts about killing it, but Kirk is firm in his determination to destroy the creature. Kirk wants Spock to remain behind rather than join the... Kirk is then trapped in the creature's lair, containing many nodules after the roof collapses. Kirk tells Spock that the creature is 10 feet away from him, and Spock rushes to the scene. Spock mind melds with the creature, but does not physically touch it because of the corrosive acids it emits. Spock discovers that the creature is in pain, and the creature uses 
the knowledge it has gained from the metal melding experience to tell Spock and Kirk that it is peaceful by corroding the words no kill eye and stone. Spock then actually touches the creature, which he has learned calls itself a horta. Spock discovers that the mining activity has accidentally killed off many of the horta's eggs, which are, of course, the silicon nodules that we saw in Engineer Vandenberg's office. Meanwhile, the mine Owners overpowered security detail from the Enterprise and storm in to kill the Horta. However, they relent when Spock informs him that all of the Hortas but this one have died off as a normal part of a 30,000-year reproductive cycle. Spock further explains that the Horta must now protect the eggs which are being accidentally destroyed by the miners so that its kind can flourish again. In fact, the miners become big Horta fans when Kirk suggests they can take advantage of the Horta's tunneling abilities to get profitable deposits. As the Enterprise prepares to leave, Vandenberg informs Kirk that he and his men are getting along well with the Hortas, although adjusting to their appearance is a little difficult. Spock mentions to Kirk that the Horta found human appearance repulsive. However, Spock reports that the Horta apparently liked his pointed ears, and he did not have the heart to tell him that it was the ears were not a universal human characteristic. So what's the fun fact from today's episode? Arthur Clarke once remarked in 1995 of Star Trek, the original series, Devil in the Dark was the only episode he could recall, stating it impressed me because it presented the idea, unusual in science fiction then and now, that something weird and even dangerous need not be malevolent. This is a lesson that many of today's politicians have yet to learn. How prescient that was. This episode was one of the most popular from a variety of different sources. Uh, number one, uh, Gene Roddenberry was uh, impressed the way the episode explained the behavior of a monster, citing the installment as a classic example of doing the right thing. He um, said the Horta suddenly became understandable. It wasn't a monster. It was someone. The audience could put itself in the place of the Horta. That's what drama is all about. It was also one of William Shatner's favorite episodes to film, although his father died during the filming and he had to leave immediately after finishing his dialogue scenes with Spock. And even Arthur C. Clarke remarked in 1995, this was the only episode he could recall, stating it impressed me because it presented the idea unusual in science fiction then and now that something weird, even dangerous, need not be malevolent. This is a lesson that many of uh, today's politicians have yet to learn. And he said that in 1995. Boy, was that prescient. Also, uh, most interesting was this episode did not have any women in it. And because of that, Gene Roddenberry got a memo to uh, use more women in the upcoming productions of Star Trek. And he had to remind the writers that... In the 25th century, women were granted both equality and responsibility on the Enterprise, so that led to the inclusion of Uhura and more roles for women. So interesting on that note as well. Certainly one of my favorites, and the uh, scenes with the Horta are pretty cool, and the mind meld was just extraordinary. Next up, what are the three key leadership and compliance takeaways? So what are the three compliance takeaways from today's episode. Well, first of all, I think, what is your root cause analysis? 
Recall that a root cause analysis is different in an investigation. In an investigation, you're trying to get facts, which can then be utilized to uh, determine who is guilty or innocent of the conduct in question. But a root cause analysis is there to figure out what happened. And if the miners had done a sufficient root cause analysis, they might have seen what was going on with the um, uh, Horta and the tunneling that it was going through. Second of all, have you analyzed your internal controls from a compliance perspective? This is something I have found that many compliance practitioners have not done. So have you taken a look at all of your internal controls and performed a gap analysis from the compliance perspective? Have you mapped your internal controls to the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, 2019 guidance, or really any other formulation of a best practices compliance program? This is a straightforward exercise, and by doing so, it will allow you to, first of all, see any gaps that you might have in your internal controls from the compliance perspective, but then also move to remediate them more fully. Uh, It's an exercise that you can do literally from your desktop, and I would encourage all compliance practitioners to take a look at your internal controls from the compliance perspective. And finally, simply because something is different doesn't mean it's wrong or illegal. Is there a business justification? The key the Department of Justice talks about is, what is your business justification? Is there a legitimate business reason for you engaging in the conduct for which you uh, want to engage? So does the third party you have um, put in place have a business justification? Do you have a business justification for using it? What about a charitable donation or other activity that you might be engaging in? So what's your business justification going forward? If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.